everybody, and welcome to the review. My name is Bruno, and I am your host. First off, I would like to apologize for the long period of time between last episode and this one's. Uh, I believe the last episode was released August 29th, so around a week ago. Um, you know, unfortunately, I've had to go back to school, and it's been a period of adjustment. You know, uh, for the past year and a half, there's been online school, uh, classes been cancelled due to COVID or there's been some sort of change. There's been a hybrid system going on. So it really hasn't been the same, uh, you know, five days a week at school that uh, I was typically used to. And I got used to that now, you know, hybrid or online. And that really messed me up a little bit. But uh, now, you know, for two weeks now, I've been back at school for full time. And it's been a little period of adjustment. Back to school full time is a full time job. Anyways, we're back. I believe it's episode 7 of the election series. There is so much going on, not just in Canada, but across the world. You know, we've had the Afghanistan pullout. Uh, We've had a number of political events going on, you know, within the United States, within Canada in regards to the election. Um, The French debate was actually on Thursday, September 2nd, so just two days ago. Uh, So there's a lot of you know, ifs, buts, this and that going on, and there is just so many topics that can be discussed in one night, yet we don't have infinite amount of time. So our focus today is going to be placed on the Canadian federal election once more. A little bit of, you know, a summary of what's going on. We're more than halfway through this campaign, uh, 21 days in, and I think we've got two weeks to go, uh, or 15 days to go. So... You know, we got to figure out where do we stand, where are we heading, what do the trends show, um, what are the political issues that have, you know, come to be the number one ballot issues. And we're seeing, you know, now the affordable housing crisis remains as one of the top issues within this election campaign, but also healthcare and now surprisingly gun control. Um, so I'd like to go through the polling. I'd like to see, you know, where where we're at. Uh, first off, Nanos has released. A set of polls every poll has actually showed a, consi- a consistent um, conservative lead that's a tongue twister consistent conservative lead um, you know the last polling shows that the conservatives were at 35.5 percent uh, the liberals at 33 percent and the NDP at 18.7 percent obviously these polls are within a margin of error I think it's 2.8 percent 19 times out of 20 which means they can change either way um, you know, I do see that the Liberals are still going to win this election, whether it be a minority government or a majority remains to be seen. Likely a minority, probably the same or maybe a little weaker, maybe a little stronger than last time, depending how the next two weeks go. Uh, obviously, Justin Trudeau's debate performance was exemplary. It was a stellar performance. Uh, I think we've noticed a trend where the media consistently chooses to uh, attack Justin Trudeau, um, you know, regarding his his platform and you know support the Tories or the NDP which is you know somewhat disheartening to see politics being played in the you know mainstream media but not exactly surprising just a little saddening within Canada I should say um so you know I find it uh, a little hard to believe that uh, the liberals went from polling uh, you know the pre-campaign period 
high 40s, low 40s, high 30s to being, you know, under the conservatives. I just find that uh, incredibly hard to believe. And me being a critical thinker, um, I see some sort of issue with this polling. I don't think that many Canadians are paying attention. I think that now we're going to see Canadians starting to pay attention to the numbers, to, you know, the platforms. Liberals, NDP, and Conservatives have all released their full party platforms, and those are the three main contenders in this race, except for Quebec, where the race is basically between the Liberals and the Bloc Québécois. Um, so, what is shaping up to be the number one ballot issue? It remains, um, at least in Ontario, the affordable housing crisis. Ontario is a seat-rich province with 121 seats. Uh, within the House of Commons. That's about a third, a little bit more than a third of the seats come from Ontario. Uh, Last election, the Liberals won 79 seats. Uh, They're poised to win 50-something or so. That's what a projection is. However, once again, I find that hard to believe. And uh, let me explain. Uh, First off, regarding the affordable housing crisis, the average, you know, um, price for a house in the greater Toronto area is currently up 12.6%, uh, averaging above a million dollars. And, uh, you know, new families, young people genuinely, or generally, I should say, can't uh, afford that. So, um, 42% of, you know, uh, respondents to a Nanos poll have demonstrated that uh, the affordable housing crisis to them is their number one ballot issue. Uh, and they're split three ways um, as to which party would be the uh, best to handle that. 33% Liberals, 33% Conservatives, 33% the NDP. So that's going to have a little bit of vote splitting, I believe, maybe between the Liberals and Conservatives, maybe the Liberals and NDP. Uh, We'll really see. Maybe the Conservatives and the Liberals. It could go either way, really. Well, we're just going to have to see. But uh, Nanos did release, you know, their polling for the GTA 905 uh, within the GTA, so just Toronto. Uh, we have the Liberals at 44%, uh, the Conservatives at 33%, and the NDP at 17%. And within the 905, we have the Liberals at 38%, the Conservatives at 28%, and the NDP at 16%. Um, so Ontario does seem, does seem somewhat tight. However, if we look at the GTA um, itself, I really do believe that the Liberals will hold most, if not all, of their previous seats um, and there's 49 seats to be won, 25 in Toronto and 24 in the 905 area, which is a huge number. That's 49 seats right there. Uh, and if the Liberals can win 46 of them, 47 of them, which they did, I believe, last election, um, I think that they're going to, um, you know, it, it's very safe to say they're going to continue to remain the party in power. Right. So we've also got, you know, projections within Ottawa. Uh, there's, I believe there's eight seats in the greater Ottawa area. Six should go to the Liberals, um, and then two, probably one for the NDP, one for the Conservatives. But, you know, typically the major cities within Ontario, you know, Toronto, 905 area, Ottawa, they usually are Liberal strongholds and continue to remain as Liberal strongholds. And Atlantic Canada, people are saying that the race is tightening within Atlantic Canada. I don't exactly believe so, and let me explain why. Um, The PCs won the race in Nova Scotia against Ian Rankin's Liberals. They had a minority government just shy of a majority and uh, Ian Rankin you know, took his COVID response uh, you know, as a bet that he would win a majority. Obviously, he didn't win that bet. But the thing that Tim Houston did, and it's not a typical you know, right-wing conservative move, more so like a progressive uh, move, is that he really uh, ran on healthcare, increasing healthcare, more doctors and all that. 
and I think that's what gave him his majority mandate, and that's what helped him win the election. Um, and that being said, it was you know a very left-oriented platform, which is consistent with liberal ideology. Um, so I do think that the liberals will be able to maintain 24, 22 to 24 seats in Atlantic Canada. Um, now within Quebec, um, there's it's a battleground currently between the liberals and the bloc, but the liberals have a huge lead over the bloc right now, like a double-digit lead. I believe it's 8 to 10%, so almost a double-digit uh, lead. Uh, if the liberals can continue that, I believe that they will make it to 40 seats in Quebec. So just think about it. Liberals at 40 seats in Quebec, 80 seats in Ontario, 25 seats in uh, in um, Atlantic Canada. They're on their way to winning re-election very, very easily. Um, look, obviously things can change. Uh, these polls don't exactly go along with my assumption, but critical thinking, you know, taking into consideration that people weren't really paying attention to the election until maybe now, uh, next week will also be a deciding factor. I think we have uh, two debates, or at least the English debate is next week on the 9th. So that's when we're really going to see who is going to be the winner of this race. Uh, likely enough, I think that, you know, with the CERB, with the pandemic response, uh, childcare, and the Liberals attacking the Conservatives on their healthcare policies and their gun control, I do think that the Liberals will continue to come out on top and Justin Trudeau will continue to be uh, or remain as Prime Minister of Canada. Um, I really want to speak about gun control, however. There was a topic that came up uh, during the French debate, and that was gun control. Uh, Aaron O'Toole was not able to answer the question. You know, Within his platform, uh, it discusses repealing the Liberal ban on assault uh, weapons from May 2020 following the mass shooting in Nova Scotia. 15 people or 18 people died which is terrible um these guns man uh, banned poly the weapons from polytechnique or that were used in polytechnique uh, Rutger rifles and, uh, I, I think ar-15s uh, a huge wide range of assault classification weapons uh, were all banned by this liberal uh, law i think the ndp voted the document uh, the block and the liberals all voted in favor for that um so yeah that's really becoming a starting to become an issue with this campaign and we're starting to see that it's affecting Aaron O'Toole. Uh, Justin Trudeau had a very good debate performance. He was not hit, no big blows, nothing to really knock him you know, out of place. He defended his platform well. Uh, when it came to the election call, you know, he explained himself, not really giving a direct answer, but not as to hiding something. Um, so former police chief and liberal candidate, also public safety minister Bill Blair, called out Aaron O'Toole saying that Aaron O'Toole does want to repeal gun control um, and allow assault style weapons and that's starting to really hit the conservatives because Aaron O'Toole still has not been able to give a clear cut or credible answer and it's really starting to affect them. We've seen it uh, last night, Nano's tracking 2.3% up for the liberals and the conservatives dropped I believe at 0.7% and if that trend continues, likely enough the liberals will be up ahead uh, in the the debates from next week will really be also a deciding factor. Um, and I know it's a little bit confusing. I'm saying that I don't really trust the polls, but I do look at Nanos as a somewhat of an indicator to see what the trends are like. Uh, obviously, the conservatives have made up ground. There is no denying that. And likely enough, it's going to be a minority government. We're just going to have to see who will form that government. 
but the way I see things going, the way I estimate things to be, I really do believe that the Liberals will form the next Canadian party, or next Canadian government, and serve as the plurality uh, and the party of power within uh, the House of Commons. Um, what else has happened? You know, there is so much. I, I have, like, a huge list in front of me. Like, if you guys hear that paper, I have a huge list. And the next thing on my list here is uh, NDP, Jagmeet Singh. And, you know, he has promised that all households making under $90,000 a year will be offered dental care. Uh, and he really wants to expand on a $10 billion pharmacare program. So these are good ideas. Uh, in theory, it's just I don't think that they're really going to stick with the, with Canadians. And the reason why I say that is, yes, maybe lots of people can use it. There's a lot of people who may not necessarily be able to afford high quality dental care or be able to afford their pharmaceuticals yeah for their pharmaceuticals uh you know whether not not, not over-the-counter items like tylenol but i mean prescription uh, drugs however canada has record deficits right now so i think that the main goal will be to lower spending for a certain period of time or if anything you know try to stimulate the economy to grow at a quicker pace and to uh, recover from the deficit um so yeah Jagmeet Singh, that's a decent idea. I just don't know if it's going to stick. Uh, Trudeau was also accused by Jagmeet Singh of not interfering with provinces. And I, I see that that's a little bit of like a misunderstanding on Jagmeet Singh's part. And the reason why I say that is due to the fact that, uh, you know, he's, Trudeau has been accused of not really leading the provinces uh, during this pandemic. I think, au contraire, as we would say in French, uh, healthcare is a provincial matter. Federal government is not supposed to get involved within healthcare. Yes, there's a healthcare transfers directed at certain provinces, um, but it's not exactly the federal government's responsibility to dictate uh, provincial competencies. Uh, Trudeau gave the premier the resources, the vaccines, promised to help if they needed it, and it was up to the premiers to decide whether they needed that help or not. Uh, and claiming that there was a lack of leadership on Justin Trudeau's behalf, in my opinion, is a logical fallacy we got all the vaccines we needed uh, that were served there was wage subsidies that were all provided by the federal government and i think that was leadership enough and there was a reassuring voice we didn't really see panic on the behalf of the federal government we saw more so of an organized approach to the pandemic although a little bit shaky at the beginning uh, i think we could i think it's safe to say that canada came out um, quite well placed from this pandemic or at least recovered relatively uh, relative relatively wow look at me relatively quickly um in regards to you know vaccinations and keeping our case count somewhat um you know averaged out um so what else um aaron o'toole has promised a 90 percent vaccination rate uh, subsidizing transportation using rideshare services for workers and covering their wages so that they can go get vaccinated uh, and promising a national vaccine system uh, plus an awareness campaign. I think that this is a little bit out of the liberal playbook. I think that a national vaccine system is you know, what the liberals just said. They said that they would implement something as well. And in the interim, they would be utilizing provincial uh, vaccination passports and coordinating with the provinces um, at the federal level. So I think that it's a little bit of a uh, Trudeau playbook here. Uh, that Aaron O'Toole is using and an awareness campaign. I do particularly think that that is a good idea. Aaron O'Toole made up or brought up a good point, I should say, um, that Canadians don't want to be forced 
to receive a vaccination, but rather, you know, you know, given the details regarding it and explain to them why it is beneficial to them uh, to get vaccinated. So I really do think that uh, Aaron O'Toole could be onto something with an awareness campaign, but I don't think that's going to uh, stick with voters. Uh, you know, that, that sort of awareness campaign. I don't think it's going to become an issue or something of interest. I don't think it's going to affect uh, people's minds. Um, Premier Francois Legault wants to see higher healthcare transfers um, you know, to Quebec, an increase of 35% or $28 billion. The NDP, Perronstadt, or I should say they kind of want to be in Quebec's good graces. They only have one seat in Quebec, so uh, Jagmeet Singh has promised uh, that he would try to help out um, Premier Legault and that the NDP is also promoting Quebec's cultural uh, identity and, you know, their nationalistic uh, ideals, you know, the Quebec uh, national uh, value, which is a little bit of a concern. I don't, I, I wouldn't have expected the NDP to support sovereignty from Quebec. I mean, the Liberals did it. They declared Quebec a nation in the bill that was passed. Uh, Bill 96. Uh, yeah. So, Bill 96 is mostly just a you know, follow-up to Bill 101, really promoting French culture, French values, uh, or Quebec identity, I should say, Quebec values, Quebec culturalism, and kind of declaring a Quebec a nation within the Canadian uh, Confederation. Um, a little bit odd that the NDP would go out of their way to support that. You know, they're a federal party. Quebec is part of Canada, but anywho, uh, that's just my opinion. So, a lot of people have, dis- have been discussing the deficit. What is deficit? That's something that we need to discuss. Well, a th- th- there's two types of deficits. Deficit is a sort of debt. Um, you could have your own you know, household debt, and you could have you know country's debt. Household debt is something you don't want to be in. That's completely different. You don't want to be in debt to like the banks and all that because it's just not something you need. You're going to be in the red. You're, you need money. You can't afford things. You're going to have to, you know, um, spend a lot less and just focus on surviving. Uh, you may not be able to afford your rent. If you spend too much money, more than you can afford, you'll end up being in debt, right? That's technically what we're doing at the federal level, but not the exact same thing. Uh, we're currently increasing uh, the fiscal deficit. The deficit is, in fact, just spending above your revenue. And the reason why we have such a large deficit is because of all these programs, these pandemic response programs, you know, vaccine procurement, uh, CERB, uh, the Canadian wage subsidy uh, for small businesses, uh, support for Canadian families, CERB, or expanding EI or whatnot. Uh, these are all ways of kind of increasing the uh, national deficit. And of course, it, it's such a huge number. But in the short term, it does boost a sluggish economy because it does increase buying and investing and it dumps more uh, liquidity into the market, more capital into the uh, economy. And it encourages spending, you know, banks lowering their interest rates. The central bank uh, lowering its interest rate does also encourage spending. Um, You know, the government finances these deficits through bonds, uh, through securities, through government-backed securities, treasuries, securities, bonds, all that. you know, it does. It's a little bit concerning for a short period of time, but as we move out of it, as the economy begins to, uh, you know, expand, grow, uh, that debt slowly uh, shrinks. 
and CBC actually had an article discussing how to balance that budget. Well, Canada is currently going through a little bit of a sluggish, you know, drop in their economy, in our economy right now. We had a uh, growth rate of 9.1%, I believe, at the first fiscal quarter. We dropped like uh, 1% during the second quarter. Um, we'll see what the third quarter has for us, but um, it's very possible that by 2031, the budget will rebalance, and that's by estimating a 1.8% annual GDP growth. Uh, Canada's economic growth, I believe, from 2020 to 2021 was like 6.5%. So if we can maintain that, uh, you know, obviously the debt will contract very quickly or much quicker than originally anticipated and uh, it doesn't necessarily mean we have to cut spending of course these uh, subsidizing programs are obviously going to end at one point once canada is fully out of this pandemic or when the cases consistently remain under 100 a day we won't be needing this anymore we won't be needing to subsidize we won't have all these uh, num- numerous programs that are spending billions and billions of dollars they just won't be necessary anymore and a growing economy equals higher tax revenue more immigration more jobs uh, more businesses just higher economic growth higher tax revenue uh, less deficit and more revenue uh, so this is where canada is at so we need to understand that deficits help a country in some cases and are necessary in some cases Canada is still able to pay back that debt. It'll just take a little bit of time. I believe each Canadian owes around $30,000 of debt. I went on the Canada debt clock uh, and that's what it showed. So it's a large number, but um, we should be okay. We should be okay. And I don't want you guys to worry. Um, Election Canada. Actually, this is really, really, really big. Election Canada said that vaccination is not required to vote. So I'm seeing a lot of discussion about vaccine mandates and how it's an infringement on your rights. Um, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a constitutional expert, but what I could tell you is that unless you're being jabbed forcefully, um, it's not exactly an infringement on your rights. Cinemas, restaurants, fitness uh, centers, a lot of recreational activities, they require vaccination. Uh, Places where typically you may take off your mask, they require vaccination. And I think to me that makes sense. You want to go to a movie theater, you don't have the right to make someone else sick, you got to be vaccinated. I get that, I understand that. But to vote, Elections Canada made it very clear, it's not required. So you still have your democracy, you still have your voice, you can still vote, wear a mask, you're good to go. Uh, apparently the third wave, sorry, not the third wave, the fourth wave will be the worst Canada's ever seen. Uh, uh, the Canadian Public Health Agency, C-P-H-A-C, C-P-H-A-C, P-H-A-C. The Public Health Authority of Canada, or Agency of Canada, uh, has declared that you know we may see 15,000 cases a day uh, by October if we don't get more people vaccinated, and it'll primarily be affecting those who are unvaccinated. Uh, I think still there's like 25% of Canadians who are not fully vaccinated, and that is a huge number. That's around 8 million Canadians, so it's it's huge. Uh, oh, maybe a little bit more, um, because we also have kids who are unvaccinated. Children under 12 are non-vaccinated within Canada, so. Seven, eight million people unvaccinated. Uh, the fourth wave will be primarily affecting them. Um, you know, so I do encourage vaccination. I don't see it as an infringement on your rights. If you don't want to be vaccinated, no one's going to force it. Just expect there to be a little bit of change. Um, one last thing the Quebec Child Care $10 a day initiative. Sorry, the Quebec Child Care. 
the Canadian Child Care $10 a day initiative. Uh, looking very, very good, very promising. Lots of people are enjoying that. The Conservatives have threatened to repeal it. Um, so that may be another sort of pushback against the Conservatives and a trend line that would be helping the Liberals. Um, Quebec is deemed to be a battleground, but I don't believe so. I mean, the polls in Quebec are showing that the Liberals are at 38%, the Bloc at 26%, and the Conservatives at 20%. Uh, the Liberals, likely enough, will win 38, 40 seats in Quebec. Easy. And that's, you know, within the GMA and probably some seats in Quebec and a few, you know, of those rural, rural regions. Uh, yeah. No, we've gone through a lot today. There's a lot to catch up on. There, I mean, there is a lot. And I mean a lot. There is a lot going on in the world. Uh, a lot going on in Canada particularly. And there's likely enough going to be another episode tomorrow. Uh, I want to be clear that there is a conservative Achilles heel going. And it's something that we're starting to notice. That the conservatives are shaking on their messaging. And their campaign is starting to, I, I would say, implode. Um, number one is gun control. There has not been a clear answer by Aaron O'Toole, and the damage is starting to become uh, very evident. Number two, two-tier healthcare, very concerning to many Canadians, and I can assure you that the NDP, the people who would typically vote NDP, will vote Liberal to stop a Conservative government. And number three, childcare. People who don't even have kids support that plan. Ten dollars a day—that's like three thousand six hundred fifty dollars a year. Uh, people are likely enough going to support that and if you try to repeal that um, or if you threaten to repeal it we are going to see uh, backlash against the conservatives and we're starting to see trends like that my projection you know we still have two weeks to go but right now i still project that the liberals are going to win a strong minority government 159 160 seats that's where i'm at that's where i've been most of this uh podcast series more details actually will be coming out soon regarding uh, the uh, 20th of September. We're doing a live stream. More details will be coming on Instagram, Discord, Twitter, Snapchat. So please stay tuned. I appreciate all the love and support. I appreciate everyone uh, supporting this initiative and continuing to be here for me. I appreciate all the love, uh, kind words, feedback. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you want something to be brought up, please don't hesitate to message me. Um, I want to be clear, vaccine mandates are a little bit of a uh, touchy subject. I do believe that Canadians have the right to choose whether they want to be vaccinated or not. Uh, except that if you are unvaccinated, um, you should be wearing a mask at the very least. That's one thing that I am for because there's people who have immune conditions. There's people who can get sick very easily. There's people who can't wear masks because of uh, conditions. and. These are all reasons that if you're choosing to not get vaccinated because either you think it's fake, it's going to get you sick, or just because you don't want to, or if you have you know, some sort of issue behind it, that's, of course, your prerogative. We're in Canada here. But um, just expect to wear a mask, and no one should be forcing it upon you. That's one thing I want to be clear. Uh, we have much more to discuss. Tomorrow is a new day. I wanted to, you know, give you guys a little bit of a summary of what's going on. We've got Singh's Farmers Care Plan. We've got, you know, dental care coverage. We've got Trudeau kind of capitalizing on the uh, gun control issues and healthcare issues that the conservatives have been having. And we're seeing a trend that looks like uh, Justin Trudeau will remain as prime minister, even though the polls are currently showing something different. Um, I think that Trudeau 
Mr. Trudeau will be uh, the next Prime Minister of Canada. Thank you all so much for your love and support, and I will see you guys next time. Later. Thank you.